Fifth Risk presents Popcorn, the podcast. Hello, welcome to Popcorn, a Fifth Risk production. This is episode 17. And we're here for your fix of pop culture and, of course, watches. My name's Charith, and I'm here with the doctor, a.k.a. the man that claims doctors would use the clocks on the wall over a pulsometer. <laughs> How are you feeling, Sid? I'm feeling okay, but now very threatened that, uh, that the uh, person that opposes that view is probably going to join us today. Uh, I'm otherwise very well. Yeah, good week. Uh, it's been a it's been a decent week. I've been just been working same old, nice. same old. Well, in the third chair we have. I'll wait for it. The doctor, aka Doctor Watchman, Brian. How are you going? I'm doing well, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. And uh, as Sid knows, continuing medical education is a very important part of being a doctor. So he'll just be working on that today while we talk about some important uh, <laughs> horological doctors' tools. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, I'm so I can already tell this. this is going to go badly for me. Yeah, great. <laughs> you might lose your license by the end of it. Well, I, I also, uh, I also gather that uh, Brian, Brian, are you a cardiologist? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. So he's gonna, he's gonna hate me. <laughs> I do orthopedic. Do you guys want to so. just get this part of it out of the way? <laughs> no. It's what fine. kind of doctors you are and whatnot? I, I'm, I'm the least educated person here, obviously. No, that's fine. I'm just, uh, okay. I was just curious. Okay. Cool. So, Brian, um, you know, obviously you're a very well-versed member of, of the Fifth Risk community and, and uh, we met on the, we've met on Instagram, but we met on the Slack group as well. Correct. Um, yeah, yeah I've, I have a lot of time at work to listen to podcasts and stumbled across Fifth Risk. Um, the watch regulator, Alex, was uh, nice enough on Instagram to add me to the Slack and uh, here we are recording a podcast. Fantastic. So you obviously know, you know how it works here. So we, you know that we're going to start with a drink check and a wrist check. Now, obviously, we're in different parts of the world. So I might add the, the time check in there as well. So Brian, I'll, I'll start with you. Sure. It's just after 7am on uh, Eastern Standard Time and here in Massachusetts. And I'm uh, double parked with a coffee and a seltzer. Nice. That's 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 a, that's fair enough at seven a.m. <laughs> um, and and the wrist check. Uh, for a wrist check, so I'm wearing my IWC Doppel Chronograph three seven one three, which is also also anti magnetic. Um, I thought it was very appropriate for the uh, fifth wrist crowd. Fantastic. Nice. nice. Double Chronograph is like a classic IWC as well. That's a cool watch. Mm. Yeah, it's great. I really, uh, I really enjoy this one. Love it, Sid. You're up. Uh, my drink check this week is uh, a small glass of Oban Fourteen, which a friend of mine kindly gifted me over the last few days. Uh, and I've got on my wrist my Timex uh, Snoopy uh, edition watch. I've forgotten what the actual model of this is. Yeah, let me tell you. Give me one second. It's the oh, it's the Marlin automatic with uh, Snoopy in space on the dial. Fun, yeah. nice one. And it's what 10, 8, 10 p.m. there. Oh, it's uh, it's uh, ten past ten p.m. Yeah, 
and I'm I'm an hour ahead of you, so it's ten past eleven, and I've got uh, two shots of the Nika from the barrel, and I'm wearing my Rolex Deep Sea Sea Dweller, so which I haven't really worn too much in in a while, and but uh, yeah, got it out today, which is fun. Um, so Brian, I think the best way to start is. Just a, a little introduction on yourself, uh, your background, and, and obviously your background with watches as well as a collector. Sure. So I'm a cardiologist in Massachusetts, um, also married to another physician. Uh, she's a pathologist. And uh, yeah, so got started in watches. My father started collecting watches when I was like 14, 15 years old, and it kind of trickled down from there. Um, the first watch that I remember having, and I still have, is a Victorinox Quartz Chronograph. Um, actually, a pretty cool ETA movement with a central minutes uh, counter. And then I wore that through high school, a little bit in college. Didn't wear a watch much in college. Uh, and then for college graduation, my father gave me uh, an Omega Seamaster, uh, the Bond GMT 2254.50. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, cool. So, so I wore that through medical school, uh, inter through residency, internal medicine, uh, great watch, loved it, and then started having some mechanical issues with it. Um, so basically the date wheel got stuck, I think similar to what happened with some of the Tudor Black Bay GMTs. And, uh, you know, it's an ETA-based movement. I kind of asked around and looked at the forums a little bit, and it seemed like it would be easy enough fix, and I had just the worst service experience ever. Oh, no. um, I brought it into a local place because I didn't want to send it to Switzerland to, um, you know, to get worked on. It was just a date wheel that I think like one of the gears and the date wheel. And basically the watch came back with the hands bent and scratched. The hacking lever was removed. Uh, case screws were removed uh, and they refused to take any responsibility for it. And, you know, I was a cardiology fellow at that point and I didn't have time to deal with it. So it went in a drawer. Uh, and I didn't wear a watch again for a couple of years uh, until I wore an Apple watch at the end of fellowship. And that kind of got me back into wearing something. Um, yeah. And then for Father's Day in 2018, my, I kind of brokered a little trade with my father for a uh, Omega Speedmaster Pro, um, which was kind of what got me back into the watch game or, uh, or into it as it would be. Uh, and then I did the whole moon watch only thing, read about it. And it turns out that uh, the dial on hand should have been tritium and they were Luminova, Luminova, which kind of bummed me out a little bit. But then I figured, hey, I have license to mod it. So I put a pulsometer bezel on it and uh, that really kind of mm. got me rolling down this path. Yeah, right. And, and, and obviously since then, your, your collection's really focused on anti-magnetic and, and pulsometers, obviously outside of being a doctor and and that being an obvious uh, thing for all doctors, not not named Sid. What's <laughs> what's the uh, what what where have you where has your collection kind of gone, or what can you talk about your collection since then? Sure. So it was sort of kind of a little bit of uh, chance. Um, so I did the pulsometer bezel on the Speedmaster, and then I ended up getting a, a Nomos Doctors Without Borders and a Grand Seiko Anti Magnetic, and kind of realized. You know, it'd be interesting to me to, to look into the complications of anti-magnetism and uh, pulsometer scales. Um, so I'm a non-invasive cardiologist. I do imaging 
we'll say three days a week. I do procedures one day a week, and then I do clinic one day a week. So on, on one day a week, I'm doing MRIs. So I'm around the MRI magnet, which is a 1.5 Tesla magnet or uh, 15,000 Gauss. So I thought, you know, it'd be interesting to look into watches that were kind of designed to, to deal with magnetism and, and, you know, still function well. Um, so that was the anti-magnetic. And then for pulsometers, it just seemed kind of fitting and, um, you know, a little obvious if that just, <laughs> you know, to look at watches that were kind of tailored towards, uh, towards physicians. And it's kind of given me a good way to tailor the giant landscape of awesome watches down to a few small yeah. segments to, to look into. Yeah, for sure. Cool. If there was, the if anti-magnetic there was watches, one is, sorry. No, I was just going to say, if there were watches that were designed for management consultants, it would be right down my alley, but apparently not. Um, what were you going to say, Sid? Oh, I was just going to say the like the anti-magnetic thing is uh, is such a cool like uh, feature of a watch that's actually like super useful for a handful of professions, and you're the first person I've heard of that like that you know focuses a collection on on anti-magnetic watches as as part of your sort of scope of stuff that you collect which i just i think is is awesome also don't get me wrong i love a pulsometer scale i just don't use one i think they look fantastic um well i yeah i just uh, i just find them clunky to use that's all well th that's fair and um you know i think that in general a pulsometer scale is not the most useful thing um to have however there are times when it does really come in handy um you know when i'm seeing patients in clinic Often they have arrhythmias, irregular heartbeats, uh, extra heartbeats, things like that. And the automated pulse uh, monitor won't get it right because it either under or over counts. And in those situations, when you, know, you put your watch hand on the patient's pulse and start the pulsometer and count the number of pulses, you have to really concentrate. And usually, you know, either closing your eyes or kind of really focusing and you just hit the button at the end and you can see where it is versus trying to watch the second hand go around as you're counting. Mm. Um, for most patients, you don't need it. Uh, you know, I probably used a pulsometer because I needed to, um, you know, 10 times in the last two years, but because I've wanted to, many more. So it's good. It's nice to have. So that was what I was going to ask is if it's something that you, you actually, you do use on a, I wouldn't say daily, but at least on a, on a regular basis. And it sounds like it is. So that's, um, that's fantastic. Like, I don't think it's very, I'm wearing a, a deep sea right now. And I've never gone diving in it, so it's it's actually nice to see someone that's using a watch uh, and using their functions or as a tool properly, which is great. So just on the the anti magnetic side of it, from from the a watch perspective, can you just give a for for people that might not know, can you give an understanding of what makes a like what what feature or what do they implement within the build that makes a watch anti magnetic? Sure. So to, um, to back up a second, so there's magnetic fields of decent strength, you know, that we interact with, you know, even if you're not hanging out with the MRI magnet. Um, so kind of most um, notably would be your, the phone, um, speakers on laptops and things like that are kind of the two places where there are significant magnetic fields um, that could affect a watch. Um, and actually the new iPhones now have a like a magnetic dock on the back to, uh, for a wallet. And, and actually it's quite a strong magnet. It's strong enough that you can turn off someone's defibrillator, um, oh. with that magnet if, if you so choose. Um, yeah, right. so even for people that aren't, um, you know, around 
other magnetic fields of uh, high intensity, it can be an issue. So there are really two strategies to deal with magnetism. Uh, number one would be an iron shield around the movement, um, which is kind of the, the classic um, way to deal with it. And that would be like the Rolex Melgoss and actually this, uh, a lot of the IWC Fliegers, including this uh, Doppel chronograph, have that as well. And then in the newer watches, you'll see anti-magnetic materials. So Rolex's parachrome hairspring and a silicon hairspring and escapement. And that's why the Omega with the 8,500 caliber movement can withstand, you know, 15,000 gauss for 1.5 Tesla because the entire movement is uh, amagnetic uh, or, or paramagnetic, depending on exactly what the terminology you want to use. Um, so that's really where things are headed uh, in the future. All right. Have you have you ever owned an anti-magnetic watch, Sid? No, I haven't. Um... The one that I would really want, though, is I want one of the older IWC engineers um, yep. as far as yeah. like an anti-magnetic watch. Uh, I just think the design is really cool, especially for some of the older ones. Um, that would be like my choice. I don't hang around MRI machines as much as um, as much as Brian does. So for me, it would just be because they look cool and I like the history. But um, yeah, very, I think very the, I think the engineer is really an underrated um watch in that integrated uh, bracelet Genta genre. I, I have a 3239, which is from about 2012. It's the last of the kind of classic styled ones. And it's just a phenomenal watch. And when you compare it to, you know, some of the other options in that genre, it's about, you know, one-tenth the price. So it's yeah. kind of a no-brainer. No it just yeah. looks really good. And like you said, it was early on that integrated bracelet Genta thing that is now obviously taking off. Or has taken off, and, and every man and his dog well is, and truly is taken off. On. Promise me. <laughs> promise yeah. You. Well, yeah. You know, every every man and his dog is making an integrated bracelet mm. steel sports watch, um, but you know they were on it early, so uh, that's a really nice watch. Thank you. And, and the new the new engineers look like a date just and are not anti magnetic. So IWC is moving, we'll say, uh, counter to the trend, uh, which I'm not a huge fan of. Mm. Kind of defeats the purpose of the engineer, right? If it's not anti magnetic, like the whole. The whole reason they had it was so that it was called the engineer, so engineers could use it and and be around magnetic fields and stuff. Totally correct, and I agree with you for once, Sid. So we're on the same page here. <laughs> this is a good start, Brian. This hang on, hang start. on, hang on. We need to we need to stop this now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, just to just to go on to some news, uh, have you guys seen or played with the the Zenith, the Chronomaster Sport at all? I have not had a chance, no. What are your thoughts on uh, it? I live I've in Rockhampton, so there's no Zenith Chronomasters coming out here. Yeah, sure. So, so I've seen uh, videos and, and pictures. It looks like an interesting watch. I mean, I think the big hubbub is, you know, is it derivative of the Daytona? And mm. I, I, don't, I don't really care. Um, it seems yeah. like a cool watch. It's not something that super interests me, but it is really cool to see that second hand just whip around the dial you know, in 10 second uh, increments. I think that's an interesting uh, complication, if you will. Yeah, I, look, I think, uh, so I've, I've had a chance to play with it uh, recently, just during the week. And I'm very much, it's it's right down my alley as, as far as a, as, a, as a watch go, as far as what my my collecting interests go. But I actually think that the, the comparisons to Daytona's served it very well. Um, you know, in, in Melbourne anyway, there's only been... Of uh, there's only been one 
available in in store because they've all been p picked up or they've all been purchased which is a bit of a rare space for zenith as far as i'm concerned i think the reception has been really good i've really enjoyed uh, i really enjoyed wearing it during the week and it's you know it's fourteen thousand dollars australian i think it's about uh eleven and a half or ten ten or eleven i think it's like american. ten on the nose us right yeah i think so yeah so which which is about right for for um for where it's competing in so um i think it's i think it's been a fantastic move for zenith i think if anyone's going to be able to you know let it if you want to call it copying or or doing something similar to the daytona zenith surely have the license to be able to do that with their history with the daytona so i don't mind at all now the the question or one of the questions is going to be does this have a crazy secondhand market because watch people are mental? Does this go up in value? What do you reckon? In the next, let's say, so it's the end of January now. Between now and say, whatever, end of June, end of financial year, I predict that these are going to slightly go up in value because because Zenith's going to do something smart and restrict the restrict the supply. What do you reckon? Oh, no. I don't know. I don't know if uh, I, I find that they those hype or what turns into a in-demand watch tends to be related around the brand more than the the actual edition i don't think zenith has the the cross appeal to make something go you know insanely up in price but i think that people will pick it up and i think people will um, be able to sell it quickly but whether it are you are, when you say up in up in like you know it'll go up in in the market you're not talking about like Submariner, Daytona. No, 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 not like not like that. Rolex twice retail value sort of yeah, level. But stuff, yeah. but I think I think that there will be at least a little premium on them for the first six to twelve months. Is my guess. Um, for instance, if someone yeah, picks maybe. one up now for fourteen thousand Australian, any other watch that you buy that's not a Rolex or a Patek for fourteen thousand dollars is going to basically lose. 10 to 15 percent as soon as you walk out with it right i just yeah. i think that this will hold its value if not appreciate a tiny bit for that first little bar but i don't know yeah maybe I, I think also well the only the only issue is i think that the the people that are really loving it as well on top of this is the anti-rolex crowd right yeah. and they they tend not to overpay for for um secondhand <laughs> pieces, so I don't, I'm not sure how how that'll go because I don't see the same people looking for Daytona's potentially buying these. I, I'm not sure if that's how it's yeah. gonna work. How how about where you are, Brian? Like, what's what's the general like market there and and the market for this sort of thing? I don't know. I think that you know it's definitely a very interesting release, and it's um, you know gotten a lot more press than even some of the Revival uh, El Primeros, which I think are more interesting with that kind of squared off mm. to no case. Um, I don't think it'll go up significantly in value. There may be a small premium on it while they're still difficult to to get at the ADs. Um, but in, in general, I, I think it's a it's a nice release by Zenith, and I think they're able to play off that Daytona heritage, uh, like Cherith said, um, and and kind of tap a little bit of that anti Rolex market, but also uh, as an alternative, you know, in the, in that price yeah. point that you can get at least have a reasonable chance of getting um you know before my children are are going to college so <laughs> yeah absolutely one watch i don't suspect seeing in person anytime soon 
Sid, and I don't know if this is your type of watch at all, uh, Brian, but uh, is the Sid, you saw the, the Hublot Classic, the Fusion, the Classic Fusion, the Takashi Murakami All Black? I did. I actually think it's very, very cool. Maybe not something that I could pull off, but I do think it is a, it's, it's finally something that Hublot did that's not just a different face on a Hublot watch, which is something that I think they tend to do um, reasonably yep. often. Particularly um, for, the, for their limited editions. Yeah, exactly. You know, they've got a limited edition for every other person, but this mm-hmm. one there's, there seems like they've actually thought it out and worked in conjunction with the, the person, the designer, and, and had a different, you know, uh, a different function altogether on it with like sort of the rotating dial bit, which, you know, we've seen before brands like Perillet and stuff have done it, but I think it's been really well executed. Yeah, like, so for those that don't know, Takashi Murakami is a Japanese contemporary artist, uh, is an absolute rock star in the modern contemporary, maybe street art scene, um, and... Hype beasts like him is what... Hype beast scene. Okay, let's just say, call it what it is. <laughs> he's, he's a rock star in the hype beast scene. Um, and what Hublot have done with their classic fusion model, they've made a, a watch with Murakami's signature smiling flower. It's, it's very sleek, but completely bonkers at the same time. There's, in, on that rotating dial, there's 456 black diamonds. It's an LE for 200, 200, um, there's a 200 LE and what are they? They're 44, 45 millimeter watches. So they're, you know, obviously the classic fusions, they're big watches. Well, the, cl- the classic fusion is like one of the smaller Hublots. So it's, it's, yeah, know, yeah. It's about as still, small as it gets for a Hublot, honestly. It's still big. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think they're retailing at, or just over 25,000 Swiss francs, which is, about thirty thousand US, thirty-eight thousand Australian. Um, have you seen them at all, Brian? Have you heard of this watch? Uh, I'm just looking at it right now. Um, I mean, not something <laughs> that I'm interested in, in uh, acquiring, but very, in- very interesting kind of cool concept. Um, and yeah. it is forty-five millimeters, but it's going to wear smaller because it's all black. Um, mm. You know, I-, I think Hublot is, is one of these brands that gets way too much hate. Um, yep way more hate than they should. I mean, they're doing really interesting thing with materials and um, designs and, you know, it's one of those things where it's gotten so easy to deride them that I think they're underrated. I think we both completely agree with you there. Yep. Agreed. And I think that's a, it's definitely a fifth wrist, uh, like a lot of, a lot of people on fifth wrist has started to, you know, I've, I've heard it like literally on, on the podcast where people have really, whether they're turning or whether they've uh, they're just now speaking out about it a little bit more, I think there's a lot of people that like Hublot but don't want to admit it. But uh, yeah, I agree with you that they they get a lot of hate. That some I understand can be warranted because maybe they the, the advertising so heavy or the way they they push the brand is so heavy that it comes off the wrong way or they you know they might target a certain audience that might not be a a watch enthusiasm audience but you know if you're talking about a brand that keeps trying to push their boundaries keeps trying to use different materials and and do inf- interesting things who blows who blows one of them 
I'm not personally interested in getting a Hubble anytime soon, but yeah. you know, with all the materials work they're doing, that's going to trickle down to LVMH. So you know, I'm I'm glad that they exist and and they're doing that work, and it's going to end up in tags and zeniths and things like that that I might be more interested in acquiring directly. So so I don't I don't see them as a negative in the watch space like like a lot of people outside the fifth risk community maybe maybe do. Sure. Um. Now, bit of movies. Have you guys been watching anything? Interesting. Anything of note, Brian, at all? Between, I know you both obviously have busy lives, unlike me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, have you have you seen anything recently? I've not had a chance, nor have I watched any of the French movies you mentioned last week. So actually, on a, on a recommendation from you all, I watched uh, is it Extraction? Um, oh, nice. <laughs> with uh, Chris Hemsworth, um, I awesome. think the recommendation was if if you like seeing uh, a white person shooting brown people. Um, <laughs> But uh, that was it was, a, that, was Alex, it was, that was an Alex recommendation. Okay, well, uh, as we, long as someone, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I, I'm aware, which is why I thought it was a little bit odd that it was recommended on the podcast. But um, it was okay. Um, it, I mean, obviously a lot, of, a lot of action, but it was you know really just kind of hordes of um, you know special forces that had that had masks on for the most part. There's a really interesting villain in it that comes in at the very end that I would have liked to see more throughout the movie, but. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a fun kind of mindless uh, movie to watch, and we're halfway through Den of Thieves, which is I know a uh, Bill Simmons yeah. ringer favorite as well. Um, we started that yesterday, and we'll probably finish it sometime in the next uh, two to ten days. Uh, <laughs> nice. So actually, you being from Massachusetts, are you a sports fan, bro? So I'm from New York um, originally, oh, New York, but I live yeah. in Massachusetts now. Um, better. I, exactly. So I've got all kinds of divided loyalties. Yeah. Um, and uh, I am a sports fan, um, and I was reading Bill Simmons, you know, not much in the Boston sports guy era, but definitely yeah. in the page two era before Grantland and listened to lots and lots of his podcasts and really do appreciate them. So when, when Alex was called the Godfather, the podfather uh, before, yeah. I, that, <laughs> that reference definitely uh, rang true. Yeah, I completely ripped that one off, didn't I? <laughs> Obviously. 100%. But we, we just assumed that me and Charith are the only people that would get it. Um, we but didn't realize there might be other ringerheads around. Oh, they're, they're all over the place. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and so I'm, I'm a New York Giants uh, football fan, and my wife, who I met in medical school, is a big Patriots fan. So uh, those two Super Bowls happened while we were dating. <laughs> and, uh, we're, we're good tests of our of our relationship. And uh, you know, her family is big Boston sports fans. My, my family is less so, but it's always an interesting uh, occasion when the, our teams clash. Mm. Do you follow the NBA? I'm not much of an NBA fan. Um, okay. You know, my father's from New York City and is a Knicks fan. It's been such a depressing franchise that uh, <laughs> I've just kind of given up on him. I, I watched a lot of Jordan when he was uh, when I was younger, and then I uh, I've been watching. You know, every now and then I'll kind of catch the game of the week or whatever. But uh, not not a huge NBA fan. Nice. Well, the the other test is if you're a Yankees fan or a or a Mets fan. Obviously, dealing with I'm assuming your wife's family or your partner's family are all Red Sox. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Mets fan, which uh, oh, you know, oh, things, fantastic. So things work out much better that way. This, I think this is the first time that you had three Mets fans on a, on a podcast. <laughs> Good Lord, <laughs> that's depressing. That, that, is, that is depressing. Um, uh, I've obsessively kept up with the Mets at least a little bit, so I still have that uh, blight on my sports fandom. But hope springs eternal, right? Yeah, of yeah, course. That's, that's the, the the motto of the Mets fan. 
Yeah, well, I'm just FYI, I'm wearing a Mike Piazza t-shirt right now, so circa 2000 Subway Series, go for it. When we lost 4-1 to the Yankees, yay. It's when, when Clemens threw the bat at him, right? That was the, the classic. Yeah, yeah. His bat yeah. broke and Clemens threw it at him and we got demolished. Yep, good times. Yeah, yeah it was great. <laughs> it was great. Uh, so before we before we get too depressed, uh, let's move on because we can do that as Mets fans. And just like just like normal at the start of the season, I get very optimistic, and um, it slowly sh- shreds away over time. So, movie doctors or doctors in film, what are from your both of you guys' opinion? Like, obviously, there's heaps of. TV references, even more so than movies. Like televisions, obviously, there's heaps of medical dramas and and, and some comedies as well. What's been uh, portrayals in cinema that have been some sort of realistic to you guys, like a a little bit realistic to you guys as doctors? Well, are we going to give away all our picks here? What what is this? Are you gathering information? No, like no, no. So, so not not so much the characters, but have there been <laughs> has there been has there been anything? Should we do the draft first? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no. I would say in, in general, I think that movies and television do a decent job of showing that you know doctors work hard. It's a stressful environment. Um, you know, there there are weighty decisions being made, um, but. Uh, Obviously, it's over-stylized, and the people are way more attractive in the fictional hospitals. That is the biggest takeaway, I think, that I've told Cherith as well. <laughs> Doctors are not that good-looking. <laughs> At least that, there that are not rem- that many of them in one place. I think that, o- Other than seventh most stylish man in Australia, Sid. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> can't believe this came up. 2015 was a big year. <laughs> Brian, I thought I could trust you. It's all over. <laughs> That was your first uh, mistake. Uh, <laughs> well, you were still um, a medical student there. You weren't working the hours that you're working now, Sid. So no, I was still a medical so student. Things, though, times have changed. <laughs> um, um, yeah, as I'm like recording this podcast in a t-shirt and a pair of old scrub pants, like that's that's about right. <laughs> okay, so I think I think we should get into the draft, and then we'll work our way back because. I can I can feel the defensiveness coming through the microphone of you guys just hiding your picks from me, knowing that I'm gonna probably gonna struggle here. So let's get through the draft first, and then I want to ask you some questions relating to doctors in film, like some specific stuff. Just FYI, I did have a <laughs> when I sent you guys the email with the uh, with the rundown. I forgot to take out last week's listener uh, question. Yeah, listener question, which is Kevin Spacey coming back onto the episode because it, last week's episode was the Kevin Spacey. So Brian, he uh, says he Brian, forgot, if you, but I don't. Brian, if you want uh, to, if you want to talk about your love of Kevin Spacey, you can if you want to, but uh, otherwise we'll we'll crack on. Uh, usual suspects, and uh, let's move on. <laughs> nice, good choice, well done. All right, let's let's start off with the draft. So. This week's draft is the greatest doctors of film and te- television. Uh, as usual, we all get to pick five doctors. Now, we've got some ground rules, and we've briefly talked about them. They must be uh, a medical doctor of some sort. So, uh, you know, maybe 
Indiana Jones might not count, right? You know, as an example, they must be if we if you pick a doctor from a TV show or a movie, we cannot pick another doctor from the same show. Is that Ooh, what we agreed on? That's that's a tough one. There's a couple of good ones, but yes, I'm okay with it. Is that what we agreed on, Brian? Yeah. Yes. That was my understanding. As in, yeah, as in, yeah. if if I pick one from a TV show, either of you guys can, but I can't pick another one. Does that sound right? No. No. As no in, one can. No one can in, pick. As, as in, if you pick a if you pick a doctor from ER, that writes off yeah. ER yeah. for everybody. Yes. Well, that's going to be tough. Okay, I must have missed that rule, but let's do it. Okay, I'm ready. Got to check your email, Sid. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, <laughs> Mate, some of us and, have to work. Yeah, okay. All right. When I say some of us, um, I mean two thirds of this podcast. <laughs> and oh, was there anything else before we start? Because I feel like uh, I might upset you guys with some of my picks. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the, the joke is how do you hide a dollar from an orthopedic surgeon and it's uh, put it in a book? But I guess an email works too. <laughs> the joke is tape it to an ECG, but that's fine. I'll tell you. That's okay. No, the, the, the flip, the flip side, yeah, well, that works too. And how do you how do you hide a dollar from a cardiologist? You can't. <laughs> hey, this is our listener joke for the, this is our guest joke for this week. I like it. We're bringing it back. <laughs> and he gave us two right. two for the price of one. I'm very ready. That's great. All right. So this week. Uh, snakes I'll draft as always. Sid's got the first pick. Brian, you've got the second pick. I've got the third pick, and we snake back. Sid, you ready? Uh, I'm ready. I'm I'm a bit. I kind of wish I was the third pick so I could take two back to back because the the uh, the series thing is is going to hurt me. I think. Uh, but I'm going to take for my first pick uh, a doctor in one of my favorite movies ever, uh, Doctor Richard Kimball played by uh, Harrison Ford in the 1993 movie The Fugitive. Um, he is, as as required, a medical doctor. Um, he does a bunch of stuff. Like, I think he sews himself back up uh, at one stage, and he does he does display some medical acumen during the film, uh, which, you know, which isn't actually about him doing doctoring. It's about, uh, if you haven't seen The Fugitive, go watch The Fugitive. And Harrison Ford is awesome in it. It's just such a super rewatchable movie. Um, great character. Uh, so yeah, Richard Kimball is my first pick. Oh, the, he, he had a ma- he had a massive beard at the start of that movie, didn't he? Yeah, and then he shaved it, and then it was like people were like, "I wonder who who this guy could be." Um, <laughs> <laughs> like he walked past a cop or something, and he was like, "Good morning, sir." There was some sort of interaction like that where they were just like, "Oh, have you seen this man?" And he's like, "No, I haven't." Like walks away or something, <laughs> which is a bit ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I love that movie, and I like Harrison Ford in it a lot. Yeah. That's a great pick. That was going to be my first pick. You scooped me. That was definitely uh-huh. one of my early picks as well. Um, inspired by a real-life case, Dr. Sam Shepard, actual actual doctor who was wrongly convicted. Was there a one-armed man in real life? I don't, I don't think. I think that was where it started getting <laughs> a little bit. Um, I believe he's a vascular surgeon. He's a neurosurgeon. He's a neurosurgeon, neurosurgeon? Okay. in that movie, I think. Yeah. There you go. Um, uh, there was also a t- TV show in the sixties. Uh, yeah, the that's less good. <laughs> the the, TV, the <laughs> movie is much better. <laughs> yeah. um, great Tommy Lee Jones performance in that movie as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's right. a classic. Very good. 
Very good. All right. Uh, Brian, second pick. Okay, so we'll go with uh, a fictional doctor that's actually guilty, uh, Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. Nice. Awesome. Um, just, you know, a, a great um, character, and really they tie in the psychiatry aspect of him with him and Clarice, and just a wonderful performance. And just like a terrifying, terrifying performance. Yeah, by him. Yeah, like you're genuinely afraid of him. Definitely, um, really, one of those classic villain performances. He's not quite Shooter McGavin, but uh, he's up there. <laughs> Just getting drive by after drive by from Brian. <laughs> this is incredible. The shoe fits, in. <laughs> yeah, man. Jeez, dude. He isn't Shooter McGavin. He's a real bad guy. Uh, he eats people. <laughs> Shooter McGavin just wants to win golf tournaments. He's just a regular guy that wants to win a golf game. <laughs> he tried to buy and burn down an old lady's house, Charles. Shut up. <laughs> <Be alive. laughs> uh, no, um, obviously, Anthony Hopkins won the Academy Award for that. I'm assuming the Silence of the Lambs version of Hannibal Lecter. Um, Anthony Hopkins won the Academy Award for it. Yes. Um, yeah, one of the great uh, villains of all time. Uh, Roman's first pick in the villains uh, episode. So, uh, yeah, great pick. That was my first pick. So I was hoping that you guys would just stick to actual doc, like surgeons, not moving into psychiatry. Okay. Uh, I've got my pick. Uh, I'm a little bit vexed now. I'm going to go with a TV doctor. It's Dr. Perry Cox. Damn it. MD. Have you watched Scrubs at all, Brian? I have. Um, great great show. Really funny and actually probably closer to um, what's actual, what medicine's actually about than, uh, yeah. you know, other shows with the stylized um, liaisons and call rooms and whatnot. Yeah, uh, look, and, and I've heard that as well, and I know, Sid, you've, you've mentioned that to me as well. Uh, yeah, and... and uh, so I'm re-watching Scrubs right now because I never really paid it a whole lot of attention during its uh, when it was actually airing. Perry Cox is easily my favourite character on the show. He's, he's fantastic, you know, isn't he? Yeah. He's well, look, he's gonna be. He's probably not the greatest person to work with. There's probably a huge case of workplace bullying there. <laughs> All like I, I, my my wife say HR. Um, project manager and the whole time we're watching it it's just like yeah that, that that's a lawsuit that's a lawsuit um, but yeah obviously he's highly respected physician at uh, Sacred Heart Hospital uh, he's a reluctant mentor and um, you know he, the the great thing about him is even though he's got this strong exterior that is gruff and you know sometimes demeaning to the people around him he he actually cares about his patients. You can tell, right? And he he would do anything to make sure that, you know, the, his goal at the end of every day, which is, you know, keep everyone alive and keep everyone, you know, cure as many people as you can. He tries to, you know, get hit his goal every day, which is what you want at the end of the day. So um, yeah, so that's my first pick. My um, second. Just before pick, you, before you move on. I, so I think that most people who are, are in medical school or are doctors now, when you say Perry Cox, they think 
they can immediately tell you who that person is for them. Do you have one of those, Brian? Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, I think everyone's got um, one. And, and I will say to Cherith, you know, medical training is quite hierarchical and um, a lot of stuff mm. that probably wouldn't fly in a normal HR mm. environment uh, sure. goes pretty much uh, unsaid. So um, that relationship and uh, of Perry Cox with uh, JD and Turk, I, th- I think, is, is closer to reality than, than far from it. Yeah, fair. Okay. I, I thought that you would have a Scrubs character as your first big seat, by the way. I, that was my, my toss up was, do I take the Scrubs character or do I take Kimball? Um, and so honorable mention, Chris Turk, who is my probably equal favorite character in Scrubs. Sure. Cox. All right. So my second pick is, (laughs) you guys are going to scoff at this. Uh, my second pick is, uh, iconic. Uh, I'll give you, I'll just read out a quote uh, that's related to our podcast as well. Um, and it goes like this. It goes, the knee bones connected to the something, the something's connected to the red thing, the red thing's connected to my wristwatch. Uh-oh. Right? So my, my Sensational pick, pick. Sensational pick. Is Dr. Nick Riviera uh, from The Simpsons. He is a shady quack. He's a pretty like i think it's fair to say he's a terrible terrible doctor he went to hollywood upstairs medical college uh, <laughs> and his the certificate on his office wall reads i went to medical college for medical school for 4 years and all i got was this lousy diploma um, and <laughs> his his ads uh, state to call dr nick at 1600 dr b the B is for bargain. Are you looking for a way to slice the cost of your medical expenses? I will perform any operation for one hundred twenty nine ninety five. You've tried the best. Now try the rest. Dr. Nick Riviera. I... <laughs> He's voiced by Hank Azaria. So, you know, yeah, the great Hank amazing Azaria. Amazing character. Yeah. Um, it's... Yeah, and obviously, you know, now, now that we can write people off, obviously there's Dr. Hibbert who is meant to be the the good doctor but he's that doesn't seem that great either so yeah um and just just very quotable quotable guy like you're you're suffering from bonus eruptus a terrible condition where the skeleton tries to leap out of the mouth and escape the body so um yeah just a great doctor <laughs> there you go good Went pick. from a really, really good, good doctor to great, a great doctor. pick Thank you. All right. Uh, Brian, you've got your second pick. Uh, well, I thought that uh, this one would go to the Bone Doctor, but I'm going with Bones. Yeah. Leonard McCoy. Um, cool. Just oh. just for the, uh, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor and not a whatever uh, <laughs> other task he needed to be done, uh, lines. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting proposition being the space doctor with, uh, you know, the magic tricorder that can, that can fix everything. That's a good pick. I'm not like much of a Trekkie, but I'm I'm very aware of, of McCoy. So, which version of McCoy is the one that you 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 kind of you want to nominate into this? Uh, the original Star Trek uh, the original, series. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. DeForest Kelly. Yeah. Nice. He's a great. He's he's look. Obviously, he's 
iconic doctor who who played him in the new ones it was it carl urban i was i was literally just going to ask i think it's carl urban who is the guy yeah, from yeah. the boys but he doesn't have a he doesn't have a beard so he looks really different yeah and he's in um he's from the lord of the rings movies as well carl urban yeah nice great pick all right uh, that's really good sit that's really good so my my second pick is um, is going to be well. You took a bunch of my, a couple of mine off the board, but I'm going to go for a fictional and also magical doctor, Stephen Strange from the Marvel movies. Um, cool, super power, better movie than I expected, honestly. Um, classic kind of egotistical neurosurgeon guy thinks he can fix the world, blah blah blah, all that stuff, um, and then gets a. Um, gets a uh, ironic injury where he can't use his hands and then becomes whatever this superhero dude. Uh, I just think he's a you really You sound cool like character. a massive fan of the show, Sid, of the movie, Sid. <laughs> uh, oh, just, you know, every, people have probably seen it. Um, it's uh, He's played really well by Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, the American accent is awful, but apart from that, the acting's very good uh, and the movie's very good and he's got awesome powers. I just think he's a really cool superhero as well. Big JLC guy as well. Yes, that that was that's the big controversy. He's got a drawer for a, full of JLCs on winders, and the winders are facing up so that gravity wouldn't make the rotor spin. And uh, watch nerds freaked out all across the world. So loses points for there, but uh, he he did he does go from being a successful surgeon to the sorcerer supreme. So that's pretty good. What are your thoughts on him going from Western medicine to what? looks like hokey pokey you know <laughs> magic well it's i mean it's magic and it seems to be real in the marvel universe so i'm it's fine by me uh, that's my one of my uh i we we laugh in our family so my uncle is a is a is a doctor and my dad is uh you know he's not a doctor but my dad is very much into eastern medicine and the belief of um healing oneself um and he believes that dr strange has just gone from my uncle to him so that's that's <laughs> my dad's a typical sri lankan dad yeah so anyway. <laughs> uh, that's a good uh, pick uh so that's my second pick and my third are, pick are you a uh, are you a um just quickly are you a marvel yeah. guy i didn't think you were much of a marvel guy i i have a lot of catching up to do but i do really like the marvel movies I just uh, I, have a, I have to catch up on a few of the few of the more recent ones, but I do like them a lot. Cool. Yeah, um, I enjoy right. them. I, th- I think that yeah, they're they're very entertaining, and uh, you know they're they're well done movies. They're they're not uh, Silent of the Lambs in terms of plot and execution, but certainly a good movie to watch on a on a weekend when you're trying to get other stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. And that that was also Brian letting you know that he, your pick is not Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> what, what is All that? Right. I was just saying that was oh. you also letting them know. Loki just letting them know your pick wasn't Hannibal Lecter yet. So, <laughs> not, not quite Silence of the Lambs. Um, Sid, your third pick. Uh, my third pick is going to be uh, Hawkeye Pierce from MASH. Um, iconic TV doctor. Uh, always always ready with a, with a quick um, witted quip. 
um, that may or may not be appropriate at the time of doing battlefield surgery, um, but made famous by Alan Alda and just really enjoyable to watch. Um, they're always, uh, you know, they're playing pranks in their spare time as well as obviously doing um, doing uh, battlefield surgery on the wounded soldiers in the um, Korean War that on MASH lasted 11 years, which was significantly longer than um, the Korean War actually lasted, uh, as many people are aware. So, yeah, Hawkeye, whose full name is Captain Benjamin Franklin Pierce, for those people that are playing at home. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great character. Look, I was... I actually had him in there. I was actually more akin to go with the Donald Sutherland version of Hawkeye um, from mm. from the movie. But obviously, I, I would say that because of how iconic the show was, uh, Alan Alda's probably more more synonymous with the character. He was also the first yeah, at the time. He was one of the only doctors on TV that was portrayed as as flawed as he was. Yeah. Like obviously he was, you know, he was like a great character, but he was also a, a big drinker and you know had womanizing type jokes and whatnot. Um, but which probably you know he was in a war zone, so what are you gonna do? But he was actually portrayed as this kind of flawed guy, um, and I thought that made him the most inter- the most interesting character on the show. And there's a lot of gallows humor yeah. in medicine. Actually, that's that's not that far off from Absolutely. what happens behind the scenes. Very frequently. Totally agree. I'll, I'll I'll remember that next time I have to take my shirt off in front of a doctor. <laughs> um, yeah. So that is my my third pick Good now. Pick. So back to you, Brian, for your third pick. This is this is a strong draft. I'll have to say, just FYI, it's a pretty good draft so far. Well, I mean, we both got through med- we both got through medical school, so I don't think this is a uh, a huge undertaking. Thanks, um, thanks so- for the one guy that didn't get through medical school. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least Brian is going after Charith a little bit as well. I'm happy about that. That's okay. <laughs> equal, equal opportunity, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, Gene Wilder as Doctor Frankenstein in Young Frankenstein. Ooh! Oh, cool! Okay. I didn't see that coming. So you know, classic, um, you know, Mel Brooks movie with you know take on the classic dr frankenstein story um hilarity ensues uh, and uh, he was ostensibly a uh, medical lecturer and researcher uh, physician md uh, to go in so i thought that was a good off the beaten path and we're trying to round out our squad uh here of uh of physicians of, of with different takes on the uh on the practice of medicine we'll leave it at that <laughs> Um, bit of an ideas man. Like yeah, execution is not really his thing, but it's okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> but, no like Gene, and obviously Gene Wilder. It was a hilarious movie. Like it was probably the most iconic Doctor Frankenstein. Just trying to think of who, who else has kind of played Doctor Frankenstein. I saw a recent one with James McAvoy, a Frankenstein movie about the Doctor himself, and that was not very good. So. Yeah, he's probably the you know the great Frankenstein. Yeah, nice. That's good pick. That's why I picked him. Yeah, great pick. All right, my third pick is. So I've got, I've got two picks. I'm just trying to. All right, my third pick. See, my picks are all silly. Oh. <laughs> okay, so my third pick is 
Okay, like, look, as as you guys, you've you've been through medical school and you've obviously worked very hard, but this guy, with his photographic memory and his intellect, completed high school, went to Princeton, <laughs> and medical school by the age of fourteen. Yeah, that's it. Doogie Howser, MD. Yep. I think I've just lost the draft. Um, but yeah, no, Doogie House MD is my third pick. Uh, obviously, extremely corny uh, TV show, but one that um, you know I kind of grew up with at some stage. And Neil Patrick Harris plays Doogie, um, you know, star-making turn. Like, obviously, he's gone on to bigger and better things, probably. But at that time, like, for a long period of time, he was just known as Doogie Hauser. Like if you if you saw Neil Patrick Harris on something, you were like, oh, that's that kid from Doogie Hauser. Um, and you know, it was he was he used to wear. Did he wear? Did he wear Jordans? He wore Nikes. I think he wore um, Nikes. But, some kind of Nikes. Yeah, yeah, he wore Nikes, and he just kind of, you know, he was this fourteen-year-old kid that was uh, saving people's lives. And I think there was recently been another show with a young. A young guy, like a very young guy, you know, as a as a doctor. I'm not sure what it was. Not as young as Doogie Howser, but there's been something quite similar. And maybe he, I think he has some sort of learning disability, but he's a genius. Oh, is it the Good Doctor? Is it that show? I think that's it. I think that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched. I find that, that very was difficult. I find that very difficult th- to watch. Yeah, I think he has Aspergers in the show or, or yeah, autism okay. spectrum. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's my that's my third pick, Doogie Howser. Um, you guys got nothing on that. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a vanilla mediocre pick, Jareth. Well, well done. <laughs> uh, okay, my next pick is an absolute cracker. It's a it's a it's the winner. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, my next pick is Doctor Rumick. From Airplane. I don't know if you guys remember this character. Uh, you know, he's he's played by Leslie Nielsen in the 1980 the classic yeah. comedy, Airplane. Um, he's completely deadpan throughout the movie, but he's the best character in the movie. Um, you know, the iconic line, the I am serious, don't call me Shirley. Um, and it... That, that character really reinvigorated Leslie Nielsen's career. You know, people actually forget that before that movie, he was actually a, a dramatic actor, you know, doing, you know, a bit of TV and, and movies, um, but centred around drama. And then after that came this whole second second career where, you know, obviously the uh, the the Naked Gun series and, and, you know, whatever movies he did after that were really centred around different versions of, of Dr. Rumick. So, um, yeah, just grim-faced, completely memorable. He he runs, you know, he's that guy that someone's like, oh, is that a doctor? And he's like, yep, oh, he's a doctor. And he's got he's got the um, periscope around his neck just already. Just, he, I'm a just doctor. Stethoscope? Um, just stethoscope. Stethoscope. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> I don't even use one and I know what it is. Come on, Josh. 
from just it's early. The cardiologist it's early is getting very angry about this. It's early in Massachusetts. I've just ruined Brian's Sunday. It's just so ruined. <laughs> All right, that's my that's my fourth pick. I'm moving on. That's Brian, a that's a great pick. Chad, Chad, that's a that's a great pick, and uh, I will uh, give you some redemption for Doogie Hauser by by picking Leslie Nielsen there. So, yeah. well shout done. Out, shout out to uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who is in that movie. He is. He is. Co-pilot. That's just a great movie. I, I love that it movie. It is a great movie. Um, all right, so I need a funny doctor. Uh, I've got Sir, uh, Dr. Frankenstein's kind of funny. I'm going to go with Dr. Herbert Bach. Uh, who is George C. Scott uh, in the movie The Hospital. Um, mm. That is a fantastic movie. Um, I believe it's early 70s. Um, and I, I've not read this anywhere, but I get the impression that that's where some of the inspiration for uh, Perry Cox came from. But similar char- uh, character. He's the um, chairman of medicine at a hospital with residents and uh, kind of, but his his home life is falling apart. And uh He's kind of trying to use work to keep everything together, and it's kind of a satire of, of the medical system, and uh, it's a really um, underrated movie in the medical genre. It's great, and, and George C. Scott got nominated for an Academy Award. I think that one for Best Screenplay, absolutely. What, early 70s, I think? Um, I thought it was 71, maybe. Yeah, um, absolute classic. It's a really, really good film. I did not... I complete that completely went over my head. That's a really good pick. Have you seen that, Sid? I actually have not. You should you should check I it will, out. I know I you don't I know you it. don't watch anything over before nineteen ninety one, but you should Shut up, it. I do. Leave me alone. <laughs> I think it's it's in colour, so that's that's Thanks. Good. That's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a great movie. Really good movie. Awesome. Good pick. Sid, your fourth and final pick. Um, my fourth pick is going to be Dr. John Thackeray, which is a character played by Clive Owen in the really, really good series, The Nick, um, if, yep. if you haven't seen it. So HBO series, it was out probably like nine or nine years ago, only ran a couple of seasons, but excellent show, like really good, really well made. He plays a pretty classic sort of doctor character who's very brilliant, but is a bit full of himself and has a drug problem. Um I just think Clive Owen is awesome as as this guy, and it's just such a great series. Um, I mostly just want people to watch it because it's it's yeah, it's truly very good. Yeah, it's a it's a Steven Soderbergh creation, The Nick, and it only lasted two seasons, unfortunately. But I think it was, it, I think people weren't prepared for it. It was a bit heavy, right? Like it was, yeah, um, it was very full on because it was obviously a, a graphic medical drama at the start of the 20th century which means that it's probably even more graphic than than what we would be used to um have you seen that at all brian i've not seen it it's definitely on my list of things i wanted to see i last time i checked i didn't have access to it easily through any of the streaming platforms available but uh, i want to watch it at some point yeah, it's um, pretty. Hard yeah, to I, get. I, I recommend it. It was HBO, but yeah, it was. Um, I thought it was. I, I could be wrong. I think it was HBO, but uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It's just, it's just shot incredibly well. Like you can tell, Steven Soderbergh did it. Um, it's just shot incredibly it was cinem- well. It was Cinemax. Very yes. well acted. Okay. And, yeah, um, yeah. 
uh, the whole yeah the whole thing is is really good. So yes, uh, so John Thackeray is uh, is my my fourth pick, and for my fifth pick, I thought about going for someone a little more obvious, but I won't. I'm going to go for uh, he he doesn't really get um, named super uh, a lot in this, but I'm pretty sure his name is um, Doctor Vladimir Bomgard. Anyway, he's Daniel Radcliffe's character in the TV show A Young Doctor's Notebook. Uh, another slightly off the beaten path Doctor show. Uh, uh, it's based on a um, a series of stories by a guy called Mikhail Bulgakov, a uh, short story collection. Um, who who is who is a um, I think he is a Doctor actually. He writes about a, a guy who is in his first year at uh, as a doctor at some completely random tiny town in the freezing cold Russia. And it's sort of his adventures doing that. John Hands in the TV show as well. Um, it's just like a dark comedy. It's pretty funny. Uh, and I think uh, Radcliffe does a pretty good job of it. Yeah, right. I haven't seen it. Um, it's It's surprisingly good, despite what you might think of as like, you know, Daniel Radcliffe playing a junior doctor or something it's yeah it's actually he's quite funny and he's sort of quite natural at it yeah right okay so that's my fifth pick instead of choosing someone more obvious i figured this would be this would be something something kind of fun okay no worries cool brian your final pick so sid um did you read the house of god uh during training or after of course yeah of course i read it once and I hated it, and then I read it again, and I realized I still hated it. But I've read it twice. Did you know there was a movie, The House of God? I did not know that. Um, so I am picking Tim Matheson as Roy Bash in House of God, 1984 movie, oh, right. uh, which was never released. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> it was thought too, uh, too dark yeah. uh, for the lay people to watch. Uh, and it was available streaming on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it still is, but uh, House of God is like the quintessential black comedy um, about medical training uh, written by Samuel Shem, who I think is a psychiatrist, um, but from uh, one of the Boston uh, residency programs. And, um, you know, it's kind of required reading for, at least in the United States, for, for all medical trainees and Here sounds like well. in Australia, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, one of my mentors trained with Samuel Shem oh, really? uh, in, in Boston yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the movie's good. It's not as good as the book, but um, just a quintessential, um, you know, medical tale of uh, you know things that behind the scenes and, and how they they don't always go as as people would think or, or as they should. Yeah, I mean, when I say I hated it, I, I meant like I, I read it and I just found it starts off strong, and then the middle I just found so difficult to read, and then it was <laughs> okay towards the end, and I thought for the second time. Maybe it'll be better this time. The exact same thing happened, um, but it is required reading, and I think it was an important book to have read um, at some point. And, and they put the beds at ortho height, so there's a tie in there. <laughs> so why why is this book essential reading uh, for a doctor? Is it is it uh, like something that's required, or is it because it's like why 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 is it so assumed it's, it's, that it's not a textbook? It? It's not a textbook, no. it's, but it's like a it's a basically a retelling of this guy's first year in a residency program at some like really big fancy hospital. He never names the hospital. Um, he just like, he yep. calls it, he just calls it the house. Um, 
and he never, you know, he comes up with pseudonyms for various um, medical schools, and we assume those medical schools are Harvard and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's about kind of his satirical slash dark comedy take on pretty serious things that have happened to him and his colleagues in his in his first year. Um, okay, and and it does get it does get pretty dark and I think it's recommended at least uh, to me, it, it got recommended because it's just something to be aware of generally that, that this is something that the book was written in the seventies. So, and, and, and a lot of the things are still ring true today, which is why I think, you know, they still encourage people to read it. I don't know if your experience is different, Brian. Yeah, I think it really, you know, it's dealing with somebody that's inside or, or was inside of medical training, um, which is a very odd um, you know, system in general of yeah. internship and residency and kind of writing about how the dehumanization of that, if you think about like Perry Cox and JD and Turk, but minus all the slapstick silly stuff and more of like a, a black comedy or satire, um, it's not required reading, but everyone should read it. I read it during medical school and it was okay. And then I read it near the end of internal medicine residency. And it really, a lot of the stuff rang true even, you know, 40 years later. And, and, Tim Matheson's the lead in the movie, like Roy. He Roy is. Barker. Yeah. Okay. And and so I'm assuming it might be a comedy, right? Because obviously Tim Matheson's more of a comedic actor, you know, Animal House. And yeah, that. it's a, it's a it's a very dark satirical yeah. comedy. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Right. There's a couple of picks. I, I haven't seen these ones. I'm I did. I did not know that was good. a movie. I might I might try and watch the film. Cool. It's it's worth a watch. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. Mine's going to sound very by the numbers, my last pick. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to go with my final pick. It's probably one of my favourite literature, 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 uh, God, I'm kind of in talk about these doctors. Um, Literary? Characters, doctors. It's uh, Dr. Watson. Yeah, nice. That was going to be another pick. I'm going to go with the one from Sherlock, played by Martin mm-hmm. Freeman. With the from the BBC TV show, so you know, obviously he was a uh, war doctor, treated those on the battlefield, and he's just a he's a great character. He, you know, and he he obviously he got he had his own problems, and he dealt that with with Sherlock, who obviously goes through his own problems. And there's so many moments where, even though he's not on Doctor Judy. Right, because he's now a detective of some sort. Um, he's he's still kind of playing that carer role to Sherlock in so many different ways. So um, I like the Martin Freeman version of it, and uh, yeah, I just think he's a he's a great character. Even though he's a sidekick, he's a he's really an essential character. So um, yeah, that's my fifth pick. That's a good pick. That was going to be one of mine as well. Yeah. Yeah. No argument here. All right. There's some interesting picks. Like obviously, there's some like some obvious ones that we really hit off early. But then, you know, both of you guys had some um, some picks that you know I, I some of us might not have heard of, and some that you know a little bit left field as well. So, so just to uh, summarize, Sid, you had the first pick. Your picks were Roger Kimball. Richard Kimball. Stephen Strange. Oh, sh- oh, sorry, Richard Kimball. Should I should I say Dr. Richard Kimball? Dr. Stephen You should Strange. say doc- Dr. Everything. Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. John Thackeray from The Nick. 
and uh, Doctor, is it Vladimir Vanguard? Uh, it's uh, wait, I'll I'll find it here. It's Vladimir Bombgard. Bombgard. Uh, and Brian, your picks were Doctor Hannibal Lecter, Doctor Leonard McCoy, Doctor Frankenstein, Gene Wilders, Doctor Herbert Buck, and is it Doctor Roy Bush? Bash. Correct. Yep. And my picks were Doctor Perry Cox, Doctor Nick Riviera. Doogie Howser, MD. <laughs> Stand by. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Rumack and Dr. Watson uh, from Sherlock. Martin Freeman's. Are we going to do some honourable mentions? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Let's get through some honourable mentions. Any, I mean, anyone's on your list that... You go first. So, you, I mean, I... I it, Interesting that you said if you know if one of us picks someone from ER, no one else can pick anyone from ER. But none of us picked anybody from ER. Um, so uh, George Clooney's character, Doug Ross, uh, from ER, he's probably the most famous one from that. I, Is he the best character on the show? No, he's not, and that's why I didn't pick him. Um, he's just it just made Clooney famous. Um, but that's uh, that is an honourable mention. And then there's another one um, who is uh, he's the bald dude, and I've forgotten his name. Bald dude with the glasses. He was a pretty good character as well on that show. Um, he was kind of the chief resident or something, but I've, I've gone blank on his name. Um, there's that bloke. Uh, uh, doc, Dr. House. Uh, Dr. Greg House uh, and everyone on the house team. So the bald, on, the bald dude's name, I don't, I don't know the character's name, but the bald it's dude's name is Anthony Mark, Edwards. Anthony Edwards, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Goose. Uh, yeah, it's Goose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the, um, I think the character's name is Mark something. Anyway. Yeah, he's he's been in a few things as well. Um, um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Hugh Laurie as Dr. House and Omar Epps as Dr. Uh, oh, I've gone blank on Omar Epps' name too. Anyway, all of them uh, on his team. Uh, nobody picked them because, I don't know, not as not as memorable maybe. Um, Dr. House, obviously an allegory for Sherlock Holmes. It took me like three seasons to work that out. Uh, <laughs> was, you got through, you went, you went three seasons deep. Okay. I've seen, I've seen a surprising amount of house and then realized I just, I do not like it. Um, sure. it just got really, really tough. I, I think I watched a lot of house before I went to medical school and then I went to medical school and I was like, this show is garbage. <laughs> um, <laughs> Agree. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if either of you watch Grey's Anatomy. I don't, but I'm sure there's characters on that. So Grey, Grey's Anatomy came out when I was in medical school, and it was like a big like watching event. Yeah. Um, you know, for the the day it was on actual te- live television, and it was a big deal. But that's not that good a show. No, I didn't think so. I've never seen it. Um, yeah. Those are my honorable mentions. I'm sure there's a few more. You guys have. Do you want to go? So first? I would say. Uh, yeah, funny, funny doctors. Uh, Doctor Leo Spichemin on Thirty Rock yeah. uh, is a is a really funny character. Um, I already had Nick Riviera, so I thought that they were kind of the same guy. So yeah, agree. Yeah, but uh, yeah. th- and then Patch Adams from the movie Robin Williams. Um, yep. I'm real. I'm really surprised no one picked Doctor Zhivago. Um, I thought that would yeah. be low hanging fruit. I've got it on my list, but. How many times have you have you watched Doctor Zhivago? Like I, I've I've only Honestly, watched I've never it seen once, it. and 
Yeah, I've, I've only watched. I've it seen once it once it's... because it was like at school or something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I watched it once when I was trying to do one of those. I'm going to watch the best movies of all time journey, and it was a. It's just a. It's a long. It's a long emotional watch. Like it's. I couldn't tell you that many things about it. It's um. Yeah, obviously it's directed by David Lean and whatnot, but Omar Sharif. But yeah, not not one of my favorite movies. And if and if you want to watch a well, Eyes Wide Shut um, with Dr. William Harford. Um, yeah. I, I like that movie. I know it's it can be somewhat divisive, but um, you know certainly that plays into the the plot. And then if you want to watch a crazy doctor movie, Dead Ringers with Jeremy Irons as the Mantle Twins of like. Mm drug addicted OBGYNs and it, it's, it's a really strange movie, but it, it's interesting. And, um, you, know, you could have gotten two Jeremy Irons for a price of one draft pick, but <laughs> I, I, I couldn't even conscious pick that one. Yeah, no, good picks. Um, the other ones, I guess I've got, well, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Robin Williams as Patch Adams. He also played Malcolm Sayer in Awakenings. Uh, obviously oh, yeah. he's, his role in Good Will Hunting is, you know, he's a doctor, I guess. Um, no one says he's Dr. a psychologist. Quinn. That doesn't. He's a psychologist. That okay. doesn't count. Yep, no worries. Sorry, uh, Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. I thought that would be your first pick as well, Sid. Like that was right up your alley. Um, uh, Quincy, he was a you know kind of famous doctor of of that time. Dana Scully from X Files. She was um, on my board in case some of my other ones got uh, got taken. Dana Scully. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, but I think I think kind of hit some of the big ones. Is also a uh, lesser known one. Yes. Well, not lesser known, but like probably a little lower down on some of our lists. Yeah. So, and um, oh shit, I had him on on my list. Doc Hollywood as well. I don't know that's if you a guys have seen that movie. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good one with uh, Michael J. Fox. Even um, Doctor Jonathan Crane. In Batman Begins, Cillian Murphy's character. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a few. There's a few in there, but uh, I think we got some some really good picks, and I think we got some ones where uh, you know people might not have heard. Is that is that um, your final pick? What was it? Is it what of God? House of what God. Was the movie called House of God. Oh, is that the House of God? That, yeah. Yeah, you were saying that that's hard to find. Well, it was never released in theaters um, and yeah. that because it was thought too dark and too controversial for lay people to be exposed to, apparently. Um, and then it was available on Netflix streaming. I just came across it. This was a few years ago uh, and, and watched it. And then I'm not sure if it's still on there, but it is difficult to uh, to get your hands on. At the moment you say a movie is too controversial or too, uh, you know, divisive, I need to watch it. So I'll, I'll, I'll find it somewhere. Um, that sounds Go good. for it. Cool. And that's mid-80s, isn't it? Yeah. Great. 84. Nice. So thank you for the draft. That was awesome. Uh, just before we get on to your deserted island, I just want to ask, are there any, and I think the answer is, probably um, Brian's collection. Are there any definitive doctor watches, like a watch that you, when you look at that, you you say that that is a watch for a doctor? So I, I think there are watches definitely that, that play uh, towards that. I think one thing with um, my schedule specifically is 
you know, I'm doing different things most days of the week. I'm a few days a week. I'm reading uh, radiology studies. One day of the week, I'm in scrubs doing procedures. One day of the week, I'm you know dressed up in clinics. So um, I don't think it's the kind of thing where there's one watch that necessarily would do it all perfectly. Um, but but I definitely have some pieces that uh, I think fit that bill. Um, one that I picked up pretty recently is uh, the Longines um, Heritage uh, Pulsometer chronograph. So yeah, they modified cool. a ETA 7750 into a column wheel mono pusher. Uh, and it's got a lacquer dial and it's kind of a dressy, uh, definitely more on the dressy spectrum. Um, and when I look at that, I, uh, it reminds me that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of people, which is nice. That's pretty cool. Is that the one that's, it's on the bigger side? It's like 44, 45 mils or something. Is it that one? No, no, no. That, that's the aviation mono pusher. Uh, okay, um, sure. This one's 40 millimeters. That's perfect. Um, so yeah, it's 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 you know it's not small for a dress watch, but it definitely slips under, slips under a cuff and uh, is is comfortable to wear. I've I've seen that watch on your Instagram. Like, what? How old is that watch? It's got like obviously got vintage stylings to it. Yeah, that, that, I think it was like 2015, 2014. Really? Okay. Uh, it was a very short run as part of their heritage uh, collection. It, it is a callback to an older watch, I think from the 30s or 40s. Uh, and it had a one or two year run. It was really hard to find. And I kind of had a, had alerts on it for over a year. And one popped up on the forums in unworn condition that was you know, a really good price. But uh, definitely more of a niche product. But very, very cool. And, you know, really, to me, it compares to stuff that's, you know, in three times, four times the price when you're looking at, you know, mono pusher, pulsometers like that. Mm. What about for yourself, Sid? Um, it, I actually think it's probably more specialty dependent than anything else. Like, if you're if you're going to be in a a largely, let's say, clinic based specialty, then um, and uh, you might wear something different to someone that does say emergency medicine, um, where I reckon it'd be you know, you could, you could very easily just like wear a tool watch and that would be perfect because you'd bash it around on stuff and you'd get blood on it and plaster on it and all that sort of thing. So nothing really like yells out to me as like the one watch for doctors. But I think I did mention this on a previous podcast that we did. Vacheron make one of the nicest mono pusher um, pulsation watches I've ever seen. Um, so if I was to pick one, it would be that one. Is that the Harmony with the cushion yeah, case? That is exactly the right mm. one. That, that's a beautiful that's watch. The other one is the the Corn de Vache they did for Hodinkee. It was like a 36-piece limited with a yeah. pulsation scale. It's also beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like I like the cushion case, the Harmony. I just think it's absolutely stunning watch. Um, so if, I, if someone was like, pick one watch to be like a doctor watch, it would be that one. And, and now you know how to use it. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> When are you getting your pulsometer watch, Sid? I know you're in the market soon. I think you're probably uh, due. You can now I, that you've spoken to Brian, you can. If I find get some tips. if I find one that I like, I'll 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 pull the trigger. I do like them. Um, one of uh, one of the guys that that we know, uh, Mike, recently got um, either his speedy service to have a pulsometer scale, like a replaced bezel, or or he bought one and it looks awesome. So like. Something like that would be really cool. Yeah, I think that was modded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Omega offered the pulsations as a... Um, they used to offer it up front. You could order it with it on, and then they offered it as a service option for a while. 
and how you can get it. But uh, yeah, I think the Speedy looks great with the pulsation scale. I would highly recommend it for you, Sid. I um, I don't have a Speedy yet, and it's definitely on my list. And if I can, I'll I'll try and find a pulsation uh, bezel and, and get it fitted. Well, there's also that C there's also that CK two nine nine eight. It's like a first Omega in space case that has it's a white dial with black registers and has a pulsation scale. I think it's a sapphire bezel. That's really nice. I think I know the one. I I know the CK two nine nine eight you're talking about. That's um, I don't think I've seen the actual pulsation scale one, but that's something that yeah. There were two. There's a black. There's a black bezel pulsations and a blue bezel that was a tachymeter that were released around the same time a few years ago. That's a really nice watch. That's cool. Yeah, that's like something like that. I'd definitely jump on. I'd definitely get one of them. Beautiful. I think it's time for your deserted island, Brian. Are you ready? I was born ready. <laughs> uh, now you sound you sound less creepy than the last few people that have done the deserted island. So I'm I'm looking forward to this as a a bit more of a refreshing <laughs> take on this. Um, so Brian, your deserted island. You know how it works. You've been on the deserted island. You're going to be there for at least thirty years. One watch that you currently own that you would have on the deserted island. So this is a pick that uh, also might fit uh, Sid's fancy as far as a, a tool watch, doctor's watch, but it would be the Sin EZM12 um, that I have, which is a uh, tegmented um, Sin from their some specialty limited series that was made for the German uh, helicopter emergency medicine service. So it has a pulsation scale and a count-up bezel, a countdown bezel. It's 200 meters water resistant. It's anti-magnetic, kind of could handle anything, fun to wear, and uh, has a little bit of a, a tie back to my former life, we'll say. Cool. Awesome. I just I, I recently saw your, that on your Instagram. What was your former life? Were you a helicopter pilot? No, I'm, I, my former life would be a doctor, and then I'm going to be on the deserted island. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant your former life from being a doctor. Forget that I exist. Keep talking. Keep he talking. was just he he was just thinking that you're a real doctor, Sid, and uh, it's all gone out the window. <laughs> Hide it in a book. Uh, it was it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. I just saw I saw that on your Instagram not that long ago. Um, you had that with the with a like a encrusted heart model. Was oh that, yes, that, I just posted that. that, that so, yeah, yeah, lovely. Yeah, so that was from uh, Dan Tenenbaum at Watch Parts Motor Motorcycles. Uh, kind of had seen his work, and he encrusted a uh, anatomic heart statue or heart, heart sculpture, excuse me, yeah, uh, really with cool. um, watch parts, and did the valves with um, little watch cases. And, and I'm, I'm really happy with it. Yeah, it's very cool. If you for the listeners, if you haven't seen it, you got to check out the Doctor Watcherman. Um, it's really Instagram neat, yeah. and yeah, it's really cool. All right, uh, your second question: one watch that you wish you had that you don't currently own on the deserted island. So, if I was on a deserted island, the watch I would want that I don't have would be the Patek Philippe uh, Sky Moon Tourbillon, uh, and not the crazy engraved one, kind of the either the white gold or the I'd go with the white gold uh, smooth case. But if I'm on a deserted island. Um, one of the things that would be, I think, really fun would be to track the stars and, you know, constellations and whatnot with a, you know, a few hundred thousand dollar watch on my wrist. So I'd go for that. 
That is that's really that nice. is bonkers. That's yeah, awesome. That is really really nice. Plus, if a ship comes and like well, I can use that to barter myself to freedom, so <laughs> good good reasons to have it. I like it. That's a great pick. We haven't had that. All right. Your three favorite movies for the island. So the three movies that I would pick for the island, um, number one would be Top Gun. Uh, speaking of Goose and Anthony Edwards. Yeah, fantastic choice. Um, really you know, enjoyable action movie. Um, and also was a movie that, for whatever reason, I ended up watching with my now wife many times uh, when we were dating and courting. Um, so it has a definite nostalgic uh, factor to it. So I would, and you know, plus it was the height of the Cold War. Um, things at least seemed a little simpler. So I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, cool. A lot of workout inspiration there to just get your six pack going when you're when you're back from the island. Yeah, you've got you've got you know Kenny Loggins music, and yeah, uh, yeah. You've, you've got montages up the wazoo, and mm. yeah. So we'll, we'll awesome. go with that. Your second movie? So, number two, I figure I need at least one funny movie, and it would be Old School, uh, the Will Ferrell movie. Um, really funny movie. Uh, also came out when I was in college in a fraternity, and we all went to go see it together, and uh, a lot of memories associated with that. To be honest, it's not the best of the Will Ferrell comedies. I think Step Brothers is, but that's um, the one that I would enjoy most watching on the desert island. It's very rewatchable. It's in incredibly rewatchable. Mm -hmm. um, it Frank is. It, it holds its yeah, own pretty it's well. So good. Yeah. I, that's a, I, Frank the Tank. Just just <laughs> that scene where he's running naked on the street and <laughs> then his wife rolls by in the car and he's like, "We're we're streaking, we're streaking." <laughs> oh, great, great pick. And we're on our way to the gymnasium. And then. <laughs> yeah. That, it's a good uh, reminder of what not to do. Um, and, the, and then the last one, you know, I need kind of a, a an epic kind of good piece of filmmaking, and that would be Goodfellas for me. Um, yeah. You know, really watchable, really funny. Uh, I didn't realize how funny it was until I'd seen it a couple times. And, you know, great story um, and good music. And I, that's one of my that's one of my, if not my favorite, kind of long epic type movie. Look, I haven't done my deserted island yet, but surprise, surprise, that would be my first pick, FYI. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I think it's the best movie ever made. So, that's, I'm pretty happy with your deserted island. Goodfellas is, is, uh, extremely rewatchable for one, for an epic, because some epics get a little bit deep, or, you know, sometimes, and Goodfellas does get deep. They, they have scenes where you might want to fast forward or, you know, skip through. There is no scenes in Goodfellas that you want to skip through. It's such a great movie. And also a ringer favorite. So we got that going it for us. It. <laughs> it very much is. So is Top Gun. I'm, I'm pumped for the Top Gun sequel. I don't know if everyone else is, but uh, I'm super keen to see I'm, it too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, yeah. I'm definitely going to see it. Pretty excited. Um, that is. That's a really good rewatchable. That's a real sorry. That's a really good um, uh, deserted island three. I really like it. Nice one. Uh, one soundtrack or album. So, you know, I kind of came up in the era where albums weren't as big a thing. It was more about singles and MP3s. But I would think that I would want to kind of just be able to zone out on the desert island um, 
away from the uh, the movies and the, the people I'm bringing along with me. So I thought Explosions in the Sky, uh, All of a Sudden I Miss Everyone, uh, would be the, the album I'd bring. Wait, what is it? Sorry? Explosions in the Sky. Oh, um, okay. Oh. Yeah, there's, so they don't do any lyrics or anything. Um, yeah. I guess they're considered post-rock. Um, you know, their music's in like the Friday Night Lights movie. Um, mm-hmm. You'd know if you heard it. Um, yep. But just kind of instrumental, um, kind of moody um, kind of stuff. And I think that would be good to get in a good headspace when things get uh, hectic on the deserted island. Yeah, right. Okay. And the album's called All of a Sudden I Miss. Is it? I Miss Everyone. I Miss Everyone. Sorry. Great. I'll check it out. Are you, do you know them, Sid? Uh, I do not. I'll have to be. Okay. It'll have to go on my uh, yeah. theater playlist. Cool. All right. Will, and... will people complain if I play it in theater, Brian? What, what do you mean? Will people... Oh, in the operating room. Yeah. Um, no, it's good. It's good operating room okay, cool. music, actually. Cool. I can maybe I'll I'll put it on my next. Uh, I'm operating tomorrow. Maybe maybe I'll. What do you I'll, I'll What do you What's usually playing in the operating room? So if you have if you're picking. You uh, if it's me. Uh, my go-to actually operating theater music is uh, Arctic Monkeys. Um, okay, I just think it's like it's it's good and it's like it keeps me you know keeps me excited and it's just like fun to listen to. I listen to their first album. That's like my if I get to pick people, I have to listen to that. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, one of my bosses puts on a lot of death metal, um, <laughs> which he's allowed to do because he's the boss, but uh, not everybody loves. <laughs> and but most most people just put on like a pretty generic kind of playlist, just something that everybody can get around, get get along to. Yeah, right. Have you ever have you ever been in a in a theater where like the whatever the music is 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 just completely distracting on you doing your job, or is that no, not a thing? It's usually like usually if, if that's the case, you can just get them to turn it down. It's not a big deal. Right. Okay. It's not. Cool. Uh, it's never been too bad. I, what I really want to do is is eventually when I'm allowed to pick music that people that I don't care if people hate is it's just going to be hip hop for like an hour. Uh, it's just going to be like Tupac and Biggie and stuff, but no one's going to enjoy it. I, I work in country Australia. No one's going to like it. <laughs> your your wife might have some work. HR work to do, Cherith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you just playing NWA in there. That'll be interesting. That would be um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And last question. Two characters you'd have on the island with you. So I would go first with uh, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow in the uh, most recent Marvel movies. Um she possesses a certain set of skills that might be very useful on the deserted island. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll go with that. Cool. That is, and number yeah. two would be Julia Roberts uh, from Aaron Brockovich. Um, kind of one, the brains and the brawn uh, between the two of them so I can just hang out and watch movies. <laughs> nice. They, they are both talkers. Like they both can... Uh, I, I feel like you're going to be doing all the work. They, they, they both can, you know, they're, they're the neck that moves the head wherever it wants it to go. <laughs> I like it. Just be careful right. with your anatomy there, Cherith. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have to think twice. Um, no, I like it. So Black Widow and Aaron Brockovich. 
Correct. Very cool. Nice, nice, nice. And you did that. You you answered that question without sounding creepy at all. Good for you. <laughs> you didn't mention anything to do with the fact that Black Widow and Erin Brockovich are both very attractive or anything like that. Good for you. That's a nice thing. Well, take take advice, future uh, Deserted Island listeners, um, you know, contestants or whatever we were going to call yeah, them. Yeah, don't be weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, be, the bar has been the bar has been set pretty low, so it wasn't too hard to go over it. <laughs> well, look, after uh, poor Jarrett picked a seventeen-year-old character, I think we're all just trying <laughs> oh to dig God. up from there. <laughs> I've almost forgotten about that. <laughs> no one's ever going to forget that one. Uh, Jarrett, and so Jarrett, Jarrett sold him up the river as well. He promised to be edited out, and just didn't edit it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I kept, I kept the bit where he said maybe we should edit that out. But anyway, um, no, that's even worse. <laughs> uh, thanks for that, Brian. I think that was a really good deserted island. I, I'm particularly. I'm going to make a call on that. Um, that those movie picks. I think they are about as good as it gets for me. Yeah, so those are really I really good films. Yeah, really good. Nice. All right. So. If there isn't anything else, is there anything else, Sid, that you want to learn? Take this as an opportunity to <laughs> show your aptitude as a as a medical professional, or you know, take a, a chance to maybe if, you know if I ask, upskill. If I ask Brian anything on this podcast, it's not going to show anything about except my ineptitude at, at anything. <laughs> so I'm just going to maybe private message him at some point if I need any of that advice. So I will say that orthopedics was one of the fields that I was strongly considering uh, before going into medicine to do cardiology. So um, jokes aside, uh, I have a lot of uh, respect for what you all do Thanks. and uh, we, we appreciate it. And vice versa. So I've got a couple of good friends who are in cardiology. One of them just finished his cardiology training um, and he's he's genuinely like the smartest guy I know. Shout out, Derek. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and another one is just literally starting his cardiology training tomorrow. Um, he's in, he's doing his, um, sort of specialty training starting tomorrow and, uh, I'll never tell him that he's smart ever, but he's actually, he's actually a very <laughs> clever guy. Um, they, the, the joke between us is that cardiology is the, is the orthopedics of, of physicians training. Um, it's, but that's, uh, that's for you to decide. I, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I think we've just like all of our listeners are like, what are these two talking about? But I think we can maybe move on from this. So, so Brian, so Brian, your Sid's a real doctor. Is that what we're like? I think that's a key. Well, thing I mean, that listeners are trying to decide. I can't say that he is or he is not, but I've not ruled him out based on this podcast. So he's still in the running. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know this, Brian, but uh, Kathy. Uh, Charit's wife uh, does not believe that I'm a real doctor in any way, shape, or form. And she's gone so far as to educate their children that I'm also not a real doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I believe you've actually treated one of my children, so good for <laughs> you. <laughs> anyway, all right. I think it's time to do some Instagram recommendations. Uh, Sid, your Instagram recommendation for the week for the community. Uh, my Instagram recommendation this week is uh, Nabil, uh, who uh, the Instagram handle is at N-A-B-I-L-M-U-S-T. 
Neville is a um, menswear and watch guy based in Sydney who uh, I met a number of years ago at a few watch events. Um, he's got some cool menswear stuff, uh, just some cool photography and, and bits and pieces um, and just a really sort of fun down to earth kind of guy. Um, so that is mine for this week. Cool. He's got that Bapex, the Bape. Yeah, Daytona. I thought that was really interesting. So he, I, when he posted it the first time, I was like, that's not a color I've seen before on a Daytona. Uh, and that's because it's not a Daytona, but it's like a, for those of you that are aware of the hype brand Bape. Um, Bape oh, did, so uh, it's not a Daytona at all. I've got no, no idea. No, it's not. So Bape oh, does right. like basically their own version of it. Um, and, oh, he, okay. uh, and he has, has one of those. He also has some like actual watch watches um, yeah. that, that he gets into. I think we met at a Tudor event once. Good one. Uh, Brian, in, any Instagram recommendation for yourself? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, marekobasa.md. So it's M-A-R-E-K-I-E-L-B-A-S-A dot M-D. Oh, here we go. Got, Got it. So he is a physician in training and just has a bonkers collection oh, wow. of just really uncommon, cool stuff and fabulous condition and uh also is a nice guy to uh to chat with oh, yeah, some awesome. of this stuff is insane jeez I yeah just saw beautiful that. he's got really, that really cool. yeah he's got some beautiful ones nice and followed that is awesome somewhat a doctor i like it he, i believe he's a resident yeah, yeah yeah which my collection during residency was uh was nowhere near that mine is not anywhere near this this is <laughs> this is outrageous yeah. Wow, nice one. All right, and my pick is someone that some people might know. He's he's uh, Nicoloy, so N I C O L O Y, and Nick is a watch writer. He's a researcher, and he is quite relatively well known for being a watch spotter. So he um, he kind of, uh, you know, particularly with like pop culture and the stuff like that in that we kind of work with with popcorn. Um, he's a guy that, you know, watches a heap of movies and looks at a heap of material and really kind of spots what watches people are wearing. Um, obviously, if you go on his Instagram right now, if you're sick of politics, it might not be a great spot because <laughs> he's been um, spotting every watch that Joe Biden's been wearing and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, he's had some really interesting stuff with with some astronauts that um not not necessarily the astronauts we all know um and and uh some interesting celebrities from the past and yeah it's just a he's also a really great guy um to talk to so yeah nicoloy so before we wrap up brian where can people find you online uh, i'm on instagram at dr watcherman perfect um yeah and yeah, highly recommend try. Yeah, checking out your Instagram because you definitely see some watches that you don't see every day, um, and particularly considering you you specialize in in a, a particular type of watch, it's a, it's a quite a refreshing Instagram to follow. So, highly recommend that. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and Sid yourself. I am at Sid dot pad s i w d dot p a d. Brilliant. 
and I'm at Charitzer on Instagram. As you all know, uh, Fifth Thuris is by the community for the community. Please get involved uh, with us. Follow us on Instagram at Fifth Thuris. Jump on the website and uh, read some of the reviews and, of course, write your honest review of the watches that you own. And, of course, check out all our podcasts at Fifth Thuris Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Don't forget to like and review. Five stars, it makes a difference to us. Um, Next week on Popcorn, we are talking... Hype, trends, and fads. All the stuff that Brian really into. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, but, yeah, we're talking about all that that hype, trend, and fads that we're seeing in the watch world and, of course, in the movie world. It's going to be a little bit different and um, interesting one as well. Just really quickly, before we go, have we decided on who, just on a general consensus, who is the greatest movie doctor? I'm going with Hannibal Lecter. I'm I'm okay with that pick. He's he's the most. I mean, he's a bad guy, but apart from that, he's he's a very very good like character. I picked him, so obviously I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. So well done. I think I think you might have got it. Nice. Well done. All right. Well, other than that, everyone, please stay safe. Brian, thanks so much for joining us and thanks, man. spending your uh, your early morning with us. And uh, we're looking forward to speaking to you more on the Slack chat and hearing from you in the future. Thank you, gentlemen. It was fun. Thanks, Matt. Have a good one. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Appreciate it. Cheers, guys. And, of course, uh, stay safe and stay on time. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs>